This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. But as an influencer now, I'm like very paranoid. Like people will repost me. This is this is how paranoid I am. Like people will post me on their story and they get mad that I don't repost them. And I'm like, look, if I repost you, then people will go through you and all your weird, like untapped, like non-cyber stuff and probably like figure out a way to get to me or you and you and I together. Like, for example, like if I posted one of my friends and the, their Instagram's not, it's not like cyber safe. And then like hacker could get into their account to get to me or get to them in general. Like, I don't want to put a target on any of my friends' backs that I know that's like maybe not the safest. Welcome to The Real Real, where we go behind the highlight reel and go into the unfiltered. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, Caitlin. Thanks for coming on my podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I'm super excited. So Caitlin and I recently yeah. met. We met only like a few weeks ago through a mutual friend. And then she does TikTok and what else? Like Instagram. Yeah, mostly TikTok and Instagram. I'm trying to reach like other platforms. Honestly, I'm really trying on LinkedIn. Okay. I love LinkedIn. I've actually been posting a lot for LinkedIn, mainly for Rella, but I'm trying to like grow a following there and yeah. be seen as like a creator economy expert because I think it helps my personal brand too. I know. I feel like the ones I've been sleeping on LinkedIn for sure, because it's like, it's such a business Mm -hmm. oriented things. So it's good for our businesses. But I'm also trying to like really get involved in Snapchat and Pinterest, which I don't know how my business is going to work with that. But like, we're going to try all of them. Okay, wait, on Snapchat, are you getting into it because of the money or because there's an audience there? Because I know Snapchat pays creators like a ton of money. They do. But I, I don't know how to like get on that train. Like, I don't know where to even start. And I also feel like I'm a little too old for Snapchat. So yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, up until like a year and a half ago, I thought Snapchat died like a while ago. And then a year and a half ago, someone's like, oh, are you on Snap? And I'm like, wait, what? That still exists? I didn't know. So this is when I felt very old because I was like you where I was like, oh, Snapchat's dead. Like it's been dead for years. Like no yeah. one uses it. And then I like every now and then I might Snapchat some friends, like if it's like something funny or right. something, but like I'm not like actively using it. I can't tell you the last time I posted a story on there. Right. But they have a portion of it that's kind of like TikTok, like it's right. like short form videos. I had no idea about that. And some girl who's like a 17 year old had to like show me how to use it and how to do it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is my moment where I actually feel like I'm a grandmother. Yeah, I tried to use it by myself and I literally could not figure it out. I mean, I posted some reels on it, but like they didn't really go anywhere. And I'm like, I don't I don't know where to go. But I do know that the best like ROI from a marketing perspective are on those odd platforms. I think it was I just watched a video and it was like Twitter, aka X and Snap and Pinterest are like the best for companies to like reach more people for a smaller amount of money. Wow. I guess because they're not as saturated. So like brands are going there and those companies want brands to like post on those platforms. Right. So they're going to make it cheaper for them. Yeah. And they're probably like favoring it a little bit more. So I, I don't know. I'm, I want to do all the platforms, but yes. Yeah. The, the long answer is that I, I'm mostly on Instagram and TikTok. Okay. And I wanted to actually hear about your story because you have a very interesting background for a content creator. Yes. I feel like you are not like you're not a lifestyle creator. You're very focused on cybersecurity. Yeah. And it's a very specific niche. When you think of people niching down, you're like, how many people are interested in this topic, you know? Yeah. So how did you start getting interested in cybersecurity? It's funny that you asked that because when I first started 
this platform, I was like, this is going to be too niche. And it like, turns out it's not. But cybersecurity was like a very random thing for me. I did engineering in college. And then I was like, I don't really know. I did a lot of internships. And I was like, none of these are really something that I want to do for like the rest of my life. Like I was like mm-hmm. looking for that job that I was like, this is going to be the rest of my life because my family's like very hardworking and they kind of stay in the same job and they've done this for years. And like my grandpa worked at the same company for like 95 years. <laughs> Wait, really? Not, well, until, he was, until he was 95. There, yeah. <laughs> I was like, how old is he? <laughs> he didn't even retire. He like literally did not retire. Yeah, not 95 years, probably like 75. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was looking for like that forever company and I just couldn't find it. So I was like, I'm going to go into tech consulting. And when I was going through my interview process, they were like, are you interested in cyber? And in my head, I was like, I'm terrible. I had to take two coding classes the worst. I still am terrible at coding. I mean, I was like, I'm not going to tell her this. So I was like, yeah, sure. Because like, obviously, it's an interview and you want to be open to opportunities. And so then I started getting really intrigued by it. And then she's like, we'll train you. We'll teach you everything on the job. This is like 10 years ago. And then I never looked back. But when it came to like actually creating the platform, I was like, I need to niche down. But I honestly thought it was going to be too niche. Mm -hmm. Well, me and you have a similar background then. What type of engineering did you do? I did aerospace mechanical. Okay, I did industrial engineering. Okay, I did industrial for my master's because it was a little bit easier. Yes, (laughs) industrial is easier than the other one. And it's like all women too. It's kind of nice. Really? Yeah, I think... So my university was like, oh, well, you know, we have like 50% women, 50% men in like engineering. But like most of it was because there were so many women in industrial systems because it was still like 5% women in mechanical. Yeah. No, industrial had the most women in my school, too. But it was still like 60-40 where like 60% men, 40% oh, women, I would okay. say, which is a good ratio for engineering. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Somehow we're still single. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't find our mans there, but um. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, It's funny because me and my friend were talking and she was like, you're my friend that interacts with the most men on a daily basis because of what I do for work. Like, I'm in tech. I'm constantly in meetings, on calls with men. Like, I'm barely speaking to women at my job. And she's like, and you, like, haven't found anyone. I was like, nope. I would cheers you right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was saying. I don't know. I don't know where they went. I don't know where they are. I just don't. <laughs> I know. It's it's honestly depressing, but that's okay. We're, we'll find them. <laughs> We're going to find them. We're going to find the men that like know what they want and that what they want is us. Yes, exactly. So we have, a, but we do have a very similar background with that. Like yeah. engineering path. I went to tech consulting as well after school. Oh, so I didn't know that. Yeah. I worked at Accenture for uh, oh, yeah. a Wait, little bit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked there for a little bit and then after nine months, I quit though. So it was very short lived because it's I, a, it's hard. Consulting is hard at the beginning. It is. And I was making more money doing social media. So I was like, okay, bye. I'm out. So I quit my job when I was 23, I think, to do social media full time and then haven't looked back, started Brella and everything like that. But we have very like similar paths in that sense. Yeah. And so when you decided to start like in cybersecurity at your job, did you think about like, oh, other people would be interested in this? I should start posting or like when did it shift from doing it as a career to then helping people and posting it like on the internet. Yeah. So I knew from the beginning, like before I made a TikTok, because I had Instagram for a really long time. And honestly, Instagram like wasn't moving. Like I had tried during COVID became like a nutritionist and I was really trying to like advocate for mental health. So many lives. I know. So many different lives. I get bored and I want to learn stuff. Yeah. Um, And so I was like, oh, I'm going to turn my Instagram into like more of a mental health, like healthy living type of thing. And that like didn't go anywhere. People don't realize like how much you kind of have to like play with social media. You don't just like it doesn't just like happen overnight. 
Yeah, I've pivoted a ton of times. Yeah. And I, it's just, that's the nature of social media. That's why when people are like, should I niche down? Should I not? What should I post? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone would watch it. I'm like, just change it if it yeah. doesn't work. Exactly. But like, you have to start posting. Right. In order to grow at all, or at least figure out what you want and what you don't want. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So I feel you. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, if I'm going to start a TikTok, I want to be a force for good because I've always had this like weird gut feeling since I was a kid that like something I, it was meant for something huge I don't know have you did you ever have that yeah, yeah. okay because I've told people that and they're like I never had that feeling I was like okay well I just no me. I've always thought like I am gonna be like I at first I wanted to be like an actress and I thought I was gonna be like the next like Hannah Montana type of thing I could definitely and see then, you do that. <laughs> when I was younger I wanted to be an author for a while I wanted to be I always wanted to be like in a creative space but right. also like I was very business-minded from a right. really young age and my parents kind of let me run with it and like flourish with it. So I always had this like, I, I wouldn't say it's an inflated ego because it wasn't an ego. It was more of like, I can do anything I want. Like that's, I was just that mentality. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice to hear other people. I honestly was like, am I just a weird kid? No, um, I felt the same way. But yeah. So when I started my TikTok, I was like, it has to be something like meant for everyone. It's like I literally started it to help people. And originally I was like, oh, maybe it's more of like women in engineering because I didn't see anyone. And when I went into mechanical, I honestly thought mechanical engineering was like a dirty car mechanic. Like I did not know what it was. Yeah. So I was like, maybe I'll do that. And then I started realizing like no one knows what cybersecurity is. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to just start breaking down what cybersecurity is because there's so many open positions and everyone's scared of doing it. No one even knows what it is. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I was getting tired of getting the question like, oh, are you going to hack into my phone? And it's like, no, there's like a bajillion other things that you could do in cyber. I don't know how to hack. Like, I don't do that. I started it to help as many people as possible and to help people understand what it was and get in. And I gave myself a year. I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to post three times a day for Whoa. a year. I'm like, I'm an all or nothing person. If I don't say stuff like that, it's not nothing's going to it's not going to amount to anything. I don't know. Are you the same? Uh, I always sometimes I'll say stuff like that. I'll be like, oh, I'm going to you know, do this in one year and I'm going to have this weekly schedule. And then I get pulled in so many different directions that I kind of like it's hard to stick with. But I'm very, very consistent. I just don't always hit the like sometimes I'm over ambitious. Like if right. I said three times a day, I know I wouldn't be able to do that. Right. Well, OK, so this was also during still during COVID. Yeah. And I was working a job and I was like, OK, I love my job, but I don't need to work like crazy hours like I used to when I was doing other consulting companies. I was like, I am going to work I, what I need to work. So like nine or 10 hours at the most every day, usually eight. And I was like, then I literally have nothing because I'm not, not in a relationship. There's not a lot of people dating right now because it's COVID. Like I have nothing else to do. Yeah. Like, so it was a lot easier for me to, and it was, it was fun. It was like, it was a way for me to flex like my creativity and by the way, I never thought I was creative. Did you ever think you're creative? So I'm not creative in the sense of like, I can't draw, I can't That's sing, why. I can't, That's you know, why. like, yes, I'm not like that at all. However, I do love like storytelling. I think right. that's, that's what I really like is like telling stories. So that's why when I wanted to be an actress, it was like, you're telling other people's stories. Mm. When I wanted to be an author, I literally wanted to like be a storyteller. And then with YouTube, when I started YouTube when I was 15, even though I wasn't telling stories, you are a storyteller yeah. as a content Everyone's creator. Everyone's a storyteller in life. Yes. Yeah. And so I think that's always what I loved. So that's why like even my videos today, they're not the best quality. They're not like the highest produced content. But what I really enjoy is like telling a story, providing value and then it reaching people. Right. And that's, I think, where my life has gone like in every whenever I look back at my life and when I see where I'm going, I'm like, that is like all I do, no matter what career I'm in, no matter what path I've taken. 
I've like been able to like reach people, tell stories and provide value. And right. That's my goal. And I think for me, creativity, I started like going down this journey of like what creativity was like, oh, maybe when I started this TikTok, because I honestly was like in my head creativity. My mom and sister are like the most artistic, beautifully like I still can't color in the lines. Yeah, so, no, like, I'm not. An, I'm not artistic. I'm not artistic. Yeah. But I realize like creativity is literally like what God put you on this earth for, like your unique self of, of expressing like whatever it is that you need to express to the world. And like for me, it's also storytelling, which I love. But I think people really need to realize like everyone is so uniquely creative in their own way. And like that's what the world's missing. And I like love to tell people that they need to like find that expression and find that like thing that makes them happy and creative. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tip are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet, Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces inner pair split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. 
I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Because I think nowadays social media has such a bad rep, but it does allow people to express their creativity because it's not about how like talented you are in editing right. and filming. And I think a lot of people still think that they're like, right. well, like, I don't know how to edit. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, you don't need to like you literally just need to show up as yourself right. and, and what you're good out. at. And you will figure it out. And everyone is good at something. Everyone has something unique about them. Whenever I try to like convince people to like start a brand, right. I'm like, your life is interesting, even if you don't think it is. Like you have your own unique interests and that alone is enough to let you stand out. Right. So like I hate the term like oversaturated right. because I'm like, it's really not like people are always looking for new stories to hear and new right. like value to take in and knowledge to consume and someone to relate to and I don't think that's ever going to go away. No, no. And I, I feel like a lot of people, like like you said, they think it's oversaturated. It's like already there's already enough people like everyone has their own perspectives. And like everyone was born and raised with these unique experiences that have shaped them to be who they are. Like we're all like a little snowflake, like a little fingerprint that's <laughs> completely unique. I don't like saying snowflake, but it allows you to express yourself in a completely different way than everyone else in the world. And yeah, I love that. I yeah. think it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So when you got into social media you started with like the nutrition and mental health stuff when did you switch was that when you were posting three times a day for a year or like what was that process like so I like gave up on the nutrition thing like a while back and then and when you I became certified to be a nutritionist yeah yeah I'm a certified oh, wow. nutritionist <laughs> so many but lives, I eat mac seriously. and cheese every day don't tell anyone <laughs> But uh, no, when I started my TikTok was when I was like, okay, I'm going to niche down. And it was only on TikTok. I was like, I'm not posting on Instagram or whatever, but I'm going to niche down on TikTok to only cybersecurity. And that's how cybersecurity Go was created. And I posted three times a day. And it wasn't until like maybe four months in, like I was literally not saying anything. I was posting and like my videos were getting like three or four views. And this was also like, I was also thinking like TikTok's already oversaturated. Like it's been around for a while. Like I only joined when they decided to move all their systems over to the U.S. Mm. Because as a data privacy person, I was like, I can't actually be okay with like jumping on this platform that's based in China. Like, I just can't. Mm -hmm. um, and so when they said that they're moving all this stuff to the U.S., I was like, okay, now I feel safe enough to be on this platform. And so I think it was like middle of COVID when I started. And yeah, I just did it for three times a day, specifically cybersecurity content. And it just like kind of started blowing up. Wow. And yeah. when did you start working at TikTok? Was it before or after that? No, they, my TikTok asked me about getting a job there after my TikTok. Wow. They so, found me from TikTok. And then asked you to work for them. Yeah. That's they started, incredible. they asked me to like if I was around for like some of their events. And I was like, no, I'm not around because I was in Miami. And then I like, you know, I was looking for a new job and I applied and got a different job. I got a data protection, data privacy job within TikTok. And I reached out to the original lady that had asked me about speaking. And she was like, actually, I didn't know you were looking for a job. We would r much rather have you on our team. Oh, and wow. it was like this whole weird thing where these two teams were fighting to like try to like get me on their team. And I decided to go more of the education and awareness route for TikTok. So I led their 
it's a very long title, but they're global cybersecurity advocacy and culture. Basically, that just means like I advocated for cybersecurity both internally and externally and helped try to like train their staff and the pe- their users on how to be safe online. Wow. And yeah. now that you worked there and after you started posting there, would you consider TikTok a safe platform? Are I you allowed TikTok. to share? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, it's for me, it's like pick your poison, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't think, I think every social media I think there's a lot of issues with social media in general. Mm-hmm. In terms of like feeling comfortable with where my data is, I feel very comfortable that like there's like ex FBI agents that are working at TikTok. It's like the smartest people I know, just like any other company, like smartest people at Meta. Like, there's really, really like high end people that work at every company that their whole job is to protect people's data. Like I get everyone's concern, but most of the time when I'm, you know, was looking at you know, when our CEO of TikTok went to speak to Congress, a lot of the issues were issues around social media, not necessarily the China situation. Like, oh, you know, our kids are watching dance videos while in China, they're watching whatever videos. And it's like, okay, well, that's all social media. That's not just a TikTok thing. Like, your kids are watching what they want to watch because it's how the algorithm's based. So I always find it like really funny. I think there needs to be new rules and regulations around social media. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you, I mean, because to me, I'm like, if you want our kids to only watch certain types of content, then let, let's put that into a law and make all social media platforms only like allow 16 and under kids to watch educational content versus everything else. Like we have a say, but we're just like trying to point the blame on big companies when it's really not their responsibility to like parent our kids. I totally agree. I think that I'm always iffy about regulation in terms of like what content people are consuming because right. I always get scared if it falls into the like the wrong hands. Right. Of, okay, can then they force like propaganda on a child or something like that? And so that always worries me. I think the problem, which I have no idea how to solve it because it's just a big societal problem, but it's just like parents don't want to parent their kids. I know. And then they want to point the blame. And also, like, preface, I'm not a parent. So, like, I don't have, have, like, but what it seems like from the outside is like they're kind of pointing the blame, like, they're giving their kids these tablets and then they're saying it's the company's responsibilities to parent them and it's like no yeah give your kids like time limits there's also there's tons of parental controls and like a lot of mainstream apps yeah yeah i think it's one of those things where i'm not saying social media doesn't have flaws because it 100 percent does and right. there does need to be some like regulation when it comes to it but when it comes to like my kid is spending eight hours on tiktok scrolling through stupid videos i'm like okay well then take it away from them like right. i like i <laughs> give them a coloring book i don't know like right. give them something else that's not gonna rot their brain cells like it's doing exactly and so like that is where i'm like the government doesn't need to come in and force your kid to watch something like, right you should be able as a parent to control their limits about how much time they're spending on an electronic what they're consuming what they're watching like if you can't be watching your kid while he is like on his ipad then only give it to him for a certain amount of time a day and then like put parental controls and Make sure it's like a playlist that you approve of. I don't know. Like, right. I think it's and I'm I'm not saying it's easy to be a parent. I know it's probably very, very hard, but we didn't have these problems when we were growing up. Yeah. And you can always revert back to that. It's going to be hard. I think it gets trickier when they're in high school right. and middle school because like they are on their own as much as a parent wants to tell their kid what to do. They right. have control and you're not going to tell your 17 year old kid that's like about to go to school next year. Like, hey, you can't. Watch oh, no, I still, like, had a, I still had like a curfew and everything up until I left for school. Like I, my parents are pretty strict. I did too. But like on their phones, unless you are monitoring their phone, which then it's like a trust issue. Like right, you're not, right, right. you know, so I don't know what the answer is once they get older. 
because I think there's a lot of like mental health issues around social media. Oh, for sure. With like I even older kids. struggle sometimes, like so, just like the comparison game, just everything. Like yeah, it's a lot. It's a hard. It's hard. Yeah. So like I don't know what the answer is right when it comes to that. Like I have no idea what to do when it comes to like mental health with kids. But what do you think about like? There's social media platforms that have, I mean, I'm not that well-versed in this here, much more well-versed than I am, but like the algorithm is like meant to be addicting and like the regulations around that. Yeah. It's just like same with Instagram. Instagram with Meta, aka the Facebook and Instagram, have been trying to like basically copy TikTok's algorithm for a while because it's so addicting. And the more people you have on the app for the longer period of time, you can sell that, the marketing, you can sell, it's a literally operates as a business which i understand people are annoyed with but like how else would they make money like just like any other business like are you gonna get mad at mcdonald's for selling unhealthy food it's a business like i don't know like don't take your kids to that business then if you don't want to support it i i don't have any i mean it is an algorithm's meant to be addicting it's not like oh let's get these addicted it's an algorithm that's based on user preference so if Mm -hmm. you like stuff is just trying to feed you what you want because they want to keep you on the platform for longer. Yeah. Because it's a business. I definitely agree with that in the sense of like, no business is going to say, oh, we don't want our users on here for too long. Right. We only want you on here for one hour a day because then they wouldn't make right. money. And I think I've seen a lot of startups in the like venture space and in, in the tech space that's like a healthy social media. Right. And it sounds same, same. so nice in theory. In theory, it sounds great, like having a healthier social media where likes aren't a thing and no one can see follower counts. And But I don't even think it's like social media platforms problems at that point. Like, yes, they're going to want to keep you on the platform for a long time. And they're going to make it addictive. But us as human beings want validation. Right. As much as we say it's toxic and it ruins our mental health, we still seek it out. Like, yeah, that we need like it. is a dopamine hit. Yeah. That comment is another hit. If I am on a social media platform and there's no likes, there's no followers, all I see is photos, I'm so bored. Right. Like, I'm out of there. Like, that's why it's not a thing. Like, I think Pinterest is interesting because it's not necessarily, like, driven by But it's more driven like by, like, that. shopping. Yes, it's driven by shopping and also, I think, just, like, aesthetic i still think pinterest has like a negative mental health because wow that house is so much nicer than mine that girl dresses so much cuter than me even if it's not like by likes it's feeding like a perfect world right that you don't live in right so i do still think that it has like issues with that like watching a reality show like you want to watch it but you're like the same time like you're detached but it's still like intriguing yes or like some like the healthier social media platforms it's like there's no filter you're not allowed to edit your photos. You have to like right. upload in the moment. And I'm like, there is a space for that. Cause like, I do think that there is like be real did really right. well with that. But then like, how do they make money? Right. If you're posting once a day, that's why be real is going to not succeed, I think. because Or be bought out. Or be bought or out. Or copied by a bigger company. Yes. <laughs> but like, they're having issues right now with like low usage because people got bored. Right. After a while. Yeah. There's a reason why we've been on Instagram for 10 years. Yeah. You know, and so I don't know what the answer is. I think it's more of an individual. Like we need to take responsibility for our own actions and ourselves and force ourselves to like stop, even though we're already addicted. I don't know. Platforms are even offering like I get a time limit on TikTok where it's like you've been on here for 10 minutes. Like I have like a 10 minute timer. And I kind of like it. I'm like, they don't have to offer that. Like them offering that is like a nice like 
form of like a little peace treaty being like, hey, we'll let you know when you've been on for a while. But like, Mm -hmm. they don't have to offer. I mean, there's so many. I think they're really trying not just TikTok, just like in general, like I think social media is really trying to help. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it's a business. They need to hit their bottom line. Yeah, I do think that like like on TikTok, I'll be scrolling for a while and it's like, are you scrolling instead of sleeping? And I'm like, (laughs) It says that uh, you haven't been on TikTok that long, then. <laughs> yeah, I'm like scrolling for like an hour and a half at night, and it'll be like 11 p.m. and I'm scrolling, and there'll be like an it's like an ad, but from TikTok. Oh my gosh! And it's like, are you scrolling instead of sleeping? Why don't you put the phone down? And See, I'm like, like that's nice. Next. Like they don't have, they don't have to do that at all. I know. I don't get that because okay, to be honest, my TikTok feed is literally like educational stuff. I don't really get hooked. It's more of like upcoming trends like business tips and tech tips okay so you're not like trapped in the funny no i wish i wish i saw like more cat videos and stuff but then i would like (laughs) (laughs) then you would get those messages (laughs) yeah no it literally tells me that i've been on it for too long yeah i do think like that's why my tiktok is done so well is because it's more educational and it's like a nice like breath of fresh air that people get to see i'm like again i'm on like the educational tiktok route where i'm just trying to help people like stay safe online. I think my first like super, super viral was two viral videos. One was like teaching people how to tell if their data has been breached. Like mm. There's a free service for that. And then the next was like how to delete your data online, which people don't realize that like your data is everywhere. And for me personally, like as I don't know, as an influencer starting to be well, at that point, I was like starting to become an influencer, but I was really worried that people were going to find me like I literally had a random letter sent to my parents house and I freaked out so that's why I use this platform called delete me but before I started using that I was literally teaching everyone like go to every data broker here's how you can ask them to delete your information and I would do that for like everyone in my family because even family members it will say like affiliated family members it'll say your name and I'm like I don't want anything tied back to like our home address or like my parents' home address. Like it's just like really freaky, all the data that they can find on you. Yeah. No, I need to do that. I've I've used Delete Me though yeah. before. So I have used that service. So going back to like your content on, you know, finding your niche, you found the cybersecurity niche. I think a lot of people, including myself, it's so hard for me to niche down because I have so many right. different interests. How do you come up with like new ideas or do you recycle ideas? Because like for me, I'm like, how would I talk about like one thing every day of the year? Yeah. No, that's a good question. And honestly, I've been like pondering, like, do I recycle ideas? I haven't really recycled that many ideas. That's super impressive. B- besides like the delete me stuff. But that's not like it's a concept, but it's more of a series. Like there's it's not the same video over and over again. It's like, here's how to delete it from this data broker. Here's how to delete it from this. So it's different. But I mean, I don't think people realize cybersecurity is a huge industry. It's like saying you major in a science or like an engineering degree. There's like a bajillion different types of engineering. And so it does allow me, even though it seems really niche, it's not. Because it does allow me to talk about every single type of cybersecurity domain. And within that domain, there's so many entry level like understandings. And then also like teach people about like general computer basics, teach people about like, also, yeah. And then I, I kind of hit on the same key cybersecurity points, but I just say them in different ways. And I'm sure you've know this, but like when people see it one time, they don't really remember. They have to see yeah. it like seven times and in different ways. So it's really like, I don't recycle it, but I do use similar concepts and I'll just put it to like different music or I'll like dance to one or like I just put them in different like spin it different ways. Yeah, that's super impressive that you haven't necessarily like recycled old content and you still have so much content to show. Have you ever thought about kind of branching out and doing like other types of content or are you fine with doing cybersecurity and like just that? 
Yeah, I think for me, I really want to do more like lifestyle, like lifestyle as a cybersecurity expert or like someone mm-hmm. in the field. Because to me, originally, I was wanted to show people like what a life looks like as a cybersecurity expert. And that's like involves a lot more than just like teaching people how to be safe yeah. online. And so I started doing a few clips because I like do modeling and stuff on the side. And I started doing a few clips of that. And then I got to this like really weird imposter syndrome type of thing where I felt uncomfortable. I'm like, well, people are on this for more cybersecurity tips. Like maybe they don't want to see me. And then I was just like, no, who cares? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would like to ideally just like show my full life and like have people see that there's life outside of work, too, because I think that's a huge issue that people have. Like for me personally, my identity used to be my job. Oh, I've been struggling with that for years yeah. but in terms of like my identity being my career. Yeah. Like I don't know who I am apart from like being a content creator because I've been doing it since I was 15. So yeah. I've been on YouTube for 13 years now. It's going to be 13 in the summer. Congrats. Thank Are you. we celebrating? <laughs> I know. We should, we should celebrate. <laughs> See, it's a, I have a teenager now. My career is a teenager. Wow. That's actually crazy. I'm still too. Yeah. <laughs> You're a toddler. Um, but or like me starting a business. Like that's yeah. my identity is like that. And I've been really trying the past few years to like separate who I am as a person. Right. Aside from like what I do right. as a person. Yeah. I mean, I, I always get those questions like, what do you do outside of cybersecurity? And I'm just like, uh Yeah. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I mean, the funny thing is I have like a very full life that I enjoy. So it's like hard because I'm like, well, there's so many aspects of it. Like it is content creation. It is like editing. Like you you do everything, especially as a business owner, like you're managing books, like you're doing every single thing. So technically, like my life is all about cybersecurity, but it's, it's different aspects. So, yeah, I was trying. I would love to show more about me because, again, I want to like show the world that my life is not just cybersecurity. But yeah. I actually want to talk about some cybersecurity tips, though. I don't know anything about cybersecurity. Yeah. I need to watch your videos. Like, yeah, I need to go through and, like, binge them. <laughs> but what are some, like, basic tips for someone like myself who just no- knows nothing about cybersecurity, like, things that every single person should be doing? Okay. So there's a lot, but I'm going to go through a few. So the first is, like, passwords. And I know I hate saying that. I, like, want to hit my head on the wall every time I say passwords because it's, like, so annoying to say. But it's really true. Like, don't reuse passwords across platforms. Like, use a password manager if you can or a passphrase. Like, people don't realize you can use a passphrase. So, like, let's say, like, a passphrase is just basically, like, a long sentence. Like, you form a long sentence. Like, you know, I love Natalie and her podcast. And, like, you, like, capitalize random stuff. And that can be, like, it's so long that, like, it's long enough for hackers to not get it. But you'll remember it. Or, like, you know. I have, I don't know, I don't use any of these, but I use a password manager personally. And I think a lot of people don't realize like once there's a data breach, which data breaches happen all the time, and you don't realize also that you sign up for so many accounts that like, and you're reusing the same passwords that your password is probably out there. And all hackers have to do when they find your password on the dark web is there's like a scan that they can do where they'll run like tens of thousands of different variations of your old password with that username. Yeah. And it happens in like minutes. Because, so how you know, like, does people, it like add like a one or an exclamation or like a one, two, three? Like, it's very obvious for hackers to like figure it out. Really? And yeah. how are they even getting these passwords? Like how are their data breaches? How are they getting this? Like, yeah, I, I don't even understand that. <laughs> well, what happens? I mean, it's hackers. So like there's multiple ways of getting it, but they can a company can either be like hacked into and there's like a different like there's like 10 different ways of hacking. There's like you know, you can have a virus, you can have like an ethical, well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways. You use ethical hackers to see like the ways, ethical hackers are the good guys, regular hackers are the bad guys. But 
yeah, there's like a bajillion ways that these they can get this data, whether someone in the company that has like high enough privileges clicked on like a phishing link and they gave their credentials and then those the hackers like use those credentials to get in to systems. There's just like a lot of weird, like there's like worms and Trojan horses and different viruses. And then they get leaked because hackers usually want credit. They're mm-hmm. like normal guys that like want to prove themselves. So a lot of times they like leak password. There's also like ransomware where hackers get in and they like hold data for ransom and say like, I'm not going to give it back to you or I'll like leak this all over the internet unless you give us like millions of dollars. So if someone hacks into some account that I use and they see my password, how do they know all the other accounts that are like connected to me? Like how do they know, could they go from like my, I don't know, let's say like 23andMe had a big like data breach recently. Let's say they find my 23andMe and then they find my username and my password. Are they just going to random websites and plugging that in? Or like, how do they know? There's like services that show like where that username's found everywhere. Really? Yeah. Dude, that's so scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's really freaky. People like, it's just, like, you don't realize that because like you're not in that space. And, like, I never realized that until I got to the space and then it makes you like super paranoid. But yeah, I just like, it just wouldn't touch it. Okay. I would just like, oh, yeah. So have like strong, unique passwords or passphrases for every account, especially like the big accounts. And then any like account that you really care about, like, Turn on two-factor authentication. Oh, I have that on everything. Yeah. Two-factor. Yeah. yeah. I would definitely also, like, there's been a lot of, like, SIM swapping issues, which is basically where someone pretends that they have your phone number and, like, it's, like, a cloned masked number. It goes to them and not you. It's a whole thing. So that makes multi-factor a little bit more difficult, but that's pretty hard to do. I would just always turn on multi-factor and yeah. maybe try to do an email, like a secure email versus a text message instead. But only if you have a secure like email account. Like if you're using the same password and like an easy password for your email, like don't do that because then it's easy to get into your email too. So yeah, turn on multi-factor authentication. That's awesome that you do that. If you're like in public, use a VPN, mm-hmm. which is like a virtual private network. It basically like encrypts the data going from your computer to like because you're in an open Wi-Fi. So if I'm like at Starbucks or something right. and I'm using their Wi-Fi, do hackers just like you can just easily see all this stuff that's going on? Like, they can see what I'm typing? If you press enter and it's moving somewhere. Like, they're not going to see what you're typing on your computer. Yeah, yeah, But if you're typing and but posting if my, or if you're sending my in password, e- will they, can they see yeah, my password? Yeah, because you're, you're typing in a password that's going, you're submitting that password to a website. Yes. And so then it's they going to the website, yeah. So can people, like, remotely tap into, like, a Starbucks coffee shop? Okay. They don't don't have to like physically be there. (laughs) Probably not. I don't know. I'm not like an expert hacker, but I just know that, yeah, it's not good. That's crazy. (laughs) That's like actually crazy that people do this. I mean, obviously I know people do this, but. And like it's all over the world. So like, again, I do have have a VPN as well. That's good. So I do use, I just use it in general. Like I have, I think I have a Norton VPN. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Standard one. But yeah, so those are the three. The other thing is like in terms of because this is what I get all the time of like, how can I delete my digital footprint? And it's like, okay, well, almost nearly impossible. But there's like because digital footprint is like literally anything you do online, Mm -hmm. like whether you're browsing, you're shopping, you're creating accounts, you're downloading stuff like doesn't matter. You're creating your own digital footprint. The way that I tell people to start like learning how to delete it is first go through your email inbox. See all the companies that are emailing you. And instead of pressing unsubscribe, because that's what everyone does, everyone's like, oh, I'm just going to unsubscribe. They have done this deleted. No, like they still have your They stuff. still have everything. So what you have to do is go to that company, um, ask them to delete your data and then delete your account. 
Oh, but that's so much it's work. a lot of work <laughs> but like if you're really interested in it like that's what you have to do and then that like it's the same as like also look at your like app your home screen and see like all the apps that you have so it's crazy way. because like with rella it we're an app right the amount of information i you? can see on without people, even like really like needing you're not like actively collecting it but no. like all these marketing companies that you have to use because it's like for email marketing etc like it collects everything it collects like ip address which tells you exactly where people are like, no we collect i mean we don't collect, but we use this service called Amplitude and yeah. it just like tracks what people are doing on the app. And we can like, we see the IP address, we see all the previous locations, we see your like carrier, we see what device you're on. We can see so like every event that you click on. on yeah, and you're not, like, actively tracking. doing that. Like you have, mm -hmm. you're using that service to make sure that like your app is working, it's going smoothly, right. people are happy, but like at the end, it's still collecting all that data. Right, right. Like, well, I don't really, we're not doing anything with it. Right. But it's the fact that I can see that just from someone, like, downloading an app. And, like, we're not doing anything with that. We're not, like, it's very private and stuff. But, like, that's crazy. The only thing I will say that's, like, incredibly, like, we can't see anything. It's, like, we link out to third-party apps. So, like, we um, connect to, like, TikTok and Instagram's APIs and all right. of that. We, after... Which is, like, what normal companies yes, do. Like, yes. that's not, like, anything... No, we're aligned with everything. with those, like, yeah, yeah. accounts. We can't see, like, anything that goes on on, like, once you connect your account, like, we don't know your... Pass Obviously, we don't have, like, your password. We don't have your email address that you signed in onto Instagram. Like, we don't have anything that, like, Instagram sees. Right. Because it goes through them. Also, what I would avoid, too, is a lot of people... There's a lot of times that you can, like, log into apps through another third party. Like I can log in using my Google or my Gmail. I can log in using Facebook. Like I try to never do that because like if someone gets access to one, then they can get access to like, let's say, for example, I start using my Facebook to sign into every app that allows me to sign in through Facebook and someone gets into my Facebook. Like that means that they have access to everything. So like try to avoid doing that. Okay. Yeah. So many like and <laughs> I know just like just try to separate everything because if everything's connected, then it like is no good. Yeah. And then like, again, it really comes down to like password management and like VPN and multi-factor authentication. And then when it comes to personal data, like again, I swear by delete me because I don't have time to delete it from the data brokers. But it's like, yeah, going to those uh, companies, asking them to delete your data, going to the data brokers, asking them to delete your data. And it's like a whole, it's like literally could be a whole job. So that's yeah. why I don't, I don't do it anymore. Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. Are you are you more paranoid now when oh, you use the internet? I've always been paranoid. When I first started cybersecurity, there was a guy I used to work with called Adam. And I love that man. He was so paranoid all the time. Like all the time he was like, even when we'd like go to Marriott's and like some, you used to have to like sign in to get free breakfast. Like when you're a platinum member, you'd sign in. He would never give his real name. He wouldn't even give his real name to like, doctors or i don't know how really yeah i don't even know if his real name's adam now that i think about it <laughs> i'm like you don't know him <laughs> i don't even know who he is but yeah he made me so paranoid like he never gave any of his information out and i still to this day don't have his real phone number and we like worked together for like three years but what is he so scared of i guess like i guess because there's a mentality of like okay he wants all to keep his personal have... personal like private but, like, who's looking at it that you can't... Like, let's say someone does happen to stumble across it. Like, right. okay. Like, what does that do to me? I understand getting it in the wrong hands. Right. And that does scare me. But, like, meta having my information or something. Like, right. do I really care? I don't think so. I, I don't know why it was to that extreme, but that's when it started making me freak out. But as an influencer now, I'm like very paranoid. Like people will repost me. This is this is how paranoid I am. Like people will post me on their story and they get mad that I don't repost them. And I'm like, look, 
if I repost you, then people will go through you and all your weird, like, untapped, like, non-cyber stuff and probably, like, figure out a way to get to me or you and you and I together. Like, for example, like, if I posted one of my friends and their Instagram's not, it's not, like, cyber safe. And then, like, hacker could get into their account to get to me or get to them in general. Like, I don't want to put a target on any of my friends' backs that I know that's, like, maybe not the safest. Do you think you have a target because you talk about cybersecurity? Yes. Because I think, like, for me, like, the way that hackers' minds work is, like, oh, if you can take down cybersecurity girl, a person that's literally, like, main goal is to educate people on how to be safe, that's a huge target for people. Like, it's fun. Has anyone tried that you know of? A few times I've gotten like login attempt, but like obviously I have like multi-factor and a I few get other that things. All the time for Venmo and it scares me. Yeah. So much. Ooh. I get an email at least like once a week, login attempt. And I'm like, I didn't try logging in. Right. So I always make sure that I don't have like cash in there. Yeah. But it's still connected to my bank. Right. So I, I get like so paranoid about that. Yeah. And my friends got hacked her Venmo and she was like sending um, messages to people on Venmo being like, oh my gosh, I like, my car just broke down. Oh, and like, my friend did that. Yes. Or not did that, but like, had it happened yeah. to her. So it was so crazy. So her account sent a Venmo to like a bunch of people that she was following and it was her photo, her account name. And it was like, hey, I'm at the grocery store getting drinks and I completely forgot my wallet. Can you please Venmo me? Right. I'll pay you back. And asked for like $300. Yes, that's what it is. It's and like $200 to $300. Yes, so she did it to her dad, to her best friend. My friend paid her the $300. Right. And then Venmo kicked her out when she reported it. So now my friend who paid her can't use Venmo anymore. That's so crazy. And Venmo will not give the money back in her account. So she had like a couple hundred dollars in there that she just like lost. And so, which is like crazy. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But um, her- Venmo needs to figure that out. Yes. (laughs) But her dad paid, was like, oh, uh, he like didn't know how to work Ven Or he uh, didn't know how to like fulfill a request on Venmo. So he just Venmoed her like the 300 instead of hitting accept. And it did go to my friend because this person just had an account that like, looked Looked like my friend had the same username as my friend which i don't know how they do that right and requested these people so when someone venmoed her it didn't technically go to the hacker right i don't know how it worked but it was crazy so if anyone ever out of the blue venmo requests you do not accept it no like literally don't text them this is the same with all phishing stuff like most of the time when there's like phishing attempts it's like urgent it seems like kind of likely and they try to like catch you off guard so anything that's like urgent, like, oh, I need this right now. Can you just do this? It's like, no, I would take take a breath. I'd like look at who like a lot of times like you get like spammy ones from banks or whatever. I would like call your actual bank, not to the number of the e- like because a lot of times you're like, oh, I'll just call the number on the email. No, the email spam. It's obviously going to go to like a fake number. Person. It's a not fake number. So like, yeah, I just take a step back, like can completely disconnect from whatever platform you're on and go do your own research and like try to contact the person that was at the person it says it is Mm -hmm. so the other day i got like a fraud alert on my account on my credit card and i called my credit card company because i was actually logging into my credit card it was like the actual website and so i've you know called them and then they were like okay like let's look through this and then they're like okay we're gonna send you a text message to verify that it's you to give me the code and i they did that but the text message is so misleading it says like uh we will not call you for this number in my head i'm like do I give it to them on the phone? Like, right. is this them? But I saw I was on the actual web. It didn't come from right. like an email. It was right. like I logged into the website. They didn't call me for the number. Right. You called I them. called them. So yeah. 
Then I, I made her wait for like 10 minutes. I was like Googling. I was asking my co-founder. I'm like, do I give this like security code to them? Because I don't want, like if they hack into my credit card, then like, yeah, that sucks. You know, yeah, it's not fun. So, so I was like being so paranoid. And then I was like, okay, I think they need to like reword this messaging. Right. But I think it's safe because it is their legit phone number that I'm calling. And like, I found it from their actual website. It wasn't an email or anything that I got. Yeah. Or so a text. Other scams that I've heard that my mom's gotten hit by with like a few times was people would like, so some of my mom's friends would like text her. I mean, these people like my mom didn't actually know, but you know, parents just add people that they think are fun, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's fine. My mom's cool. Some random person that she had followed that she like was like, you know, for a while, it was like, oh my gosh, like I, I'm locked out of my account. I just had them send my verification to your phone. Can you send me the verification? And like, that makes sense to my mom. Like that. Yeah. And it's not. It's the verification to get into my mom's account. So yeah. my mom literally screenshots the verification code and sends it to this person. Oh, And my then she gosh. got kicked out of her account. And then luckily my mom called me like immediately and I got her account back. But like that happens a lot where like it's like a friend that's like has a hacked account already. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I said, like, can you just let me know what, like, the verification is? So, like, just so scary. Any friends reaching out to you for weird stuff, just, like, call that person. Yeah, call <laughs> them and talk to them. And it's probably not true. Yeah, definitely. Also, no one's going to send it. That's just. Yeah, it's. Yeah. But, like, parents don't know that. No, I know. My yeah. mom was just like, I was just trying to help out. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. I know. But this was such a great episode. I, mm -hmm. I feel like I could talk to you so much about more, like, your background, your life, like, everything. And then tips like this but where can they find you and where can they find like all of your stuff yeah so you can find me on at cybersecurity girl for instagram with an underscore so cybersecurity underscore girl and then tiktok is at cybersecurity girl with nothing in between it's just all one word I'm trying to fix that by the way yeah to have it be yeah, uniformed just, yeah okay well thanks so much for coming on yeah thanks for having me Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then. Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room Podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the Mom Room Podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood.